All right. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Prime Podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm David. David, you son of a bitch! What's the matter? The CIA got you pushing too many pencils. <laughs> I, uh, I, um, I clasp your forearm in mine. I don't remember yeah, you, many. You can't see, than... but we're actually doing the predator handshake right now. Yeah. <laughs> I only remember random lines in that and visual <coughs> visuals. Oh, Bun- bunch of slack jawed maggots around here. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaur. Yeah, there's that line. Um, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Uh, mostly just the musical version. <laughs> Man, I really need to see the Predator. I don't own the Predator. Uh, that needs to be corrected. There's something out there, and it ain't no man. <laughs> and in this case, uh, there is something out there, and it also ain't no man. Because that's, that's fair. today's that's episode accurate. is predatory. Uh, you know, it's the episode that's really predatory. But I mean, it's not yeah. that predatory. It's kind of really. predatory. Kind of, I, well, yeah. I guess a little. I mean, th- there, are, there are a lot of undertones going on here. I mean, um... That's not predatory. That's just... A different thing entirely. And this is another Marsha Griffin episode. Uh, previously wrote Darkness Rising Part 3 and Scrap Heap. Ha. Huh. And this is, a, this is a pretty low cast episode. Yeah, not a lot of people picking up paychecks for this one. Oh yeah, I guess this is a total bottle episode. Do we... Shit, do we even hear was it Ratchet or Prime at all? We, we don't hear Ratchet or Prime, which is unfortunate, because, of course, uh, Prime is played by Peter Cullen, who previously voiced the Predator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which still confuses me. It's like, I, I want to see his face actually making those clicking noises to believe that. <laughs> I mean, Frank Wilker, yes, I can believe he can click like a weird bug. I'm not sure about... I'm not sure Peter if he's Cullen. doing the clicking noises or if he's doing, like, the distorted sort of recording... Voice. Uh, what? But it's the clicking noises that uh. are the cool part. That are the actual predator part. Uh. So this first aired April 16th, 2011, and uh, it opens basically exactly like Predator. <laughs> yeah, I, I was amazed. It's like, wait, wait, are they referencing every scene in the Predator? Because it's like the, the coming, the shooting thing in space past the moon and t- crashing towards Earth. It's like, wow, that's blatant. Well, sad- sadly, there's no scene where Shane Black drops in to make inappropriate sex jokes. <laughs> Thankfully, it, it would have been more appropriate if it had homaged Alien more. Yeah, there's a little, uh, there's a bit of Alien here. A little bit. A little bit. It's not as much Arnie 
No one is really the Arnie of this this predator. I mean, I think Jack is by default the Schwarzenegger. I guess. Kind of, well, that's probably the, the end, only yeah. time anyone would ever say that. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Poor Jack. He's scrawny. Because yeah, he and uh because Jack and RC have gone to where this uh this ship crashed, which is somewhere in like Minnesota or something. Sure, it, you know. It has a place? I don't know. It, it's sort of like a coniferous dark forest pretty much anywhere in North America. I mean, it looked like, we got, we saw the globe at the beginning. It kind of looked like it was sort of around like the middle, like the northern U.S. Maybe it's the Ukraine. Uh, I, it was definitely North America. Okay, fine. Oh, because then it would just be Stalker. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Killing me. Anyway, so, uh, the, the, you know, they, they think that, you know, whatever this is, it's pretty harmless, so they sort of, they're sort of treating this as a camping trip. Especially Jack, who has brought, well, like, a, uh, some sort of fire starting device, a multi tool, and some freeze dried macaroni and cheese. Yes, he's got his Swiss <laughs> Army knife, and he's got one of those little fire starter tools. He, yeah, I, I definitely see some hiking dorkness in here. I appreciate it. I I will say, though, that he would probably be better served by Stormproof Matches. I guess he's from, uh, I guess he's from Nevada, where it doesn't really rain much, though. That's, I suppose, yeah. Probably, probably have a lot of dry, flammable stuff. Yes, which is probably also why he's unprepared for mosquitoes. Because <laughs> there's probably not a lot of standing water in Nevada. That's that's a good point. There's not a lot of water on the whole, so probably not a lot of mosquitoes. He's all set to keep scorpions out of his boots. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, and they went there because there was an Energon signal. Did they know it was a crash? I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't think, think so. they did. For some reason, this giant yeah, ship just, just smacking into the earth the didn't pick up, didn't raise any alarms. Nah. Well, you're never ready for it. it came from outer space until it arrives. <laughs> until it arrives from outer space. And especially yeah. when you send in a rescue team, not assassins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing this. I'm sorry. So, yeah, it's so Jack needs like a first aid kit and he needs like, I don't know, a bunch of other dorky hiking stuff like a sun hat. Maybe some gorp. Or at least yes. a backpack with some snacks, something. He, he, cliff bars. They didn't add anything to his character model. It's He needed cliff yeah, bars. Could have given him a hat. Miko, Maybe. bridge me in know. some gorp. <laughs> yeah, but within the first minute, um, Jack and Arcee are already talking about his tool. Oh, I, now you're just reaching for stuff. <laughs> Uh, I might be, but for the rest of this episode, I don't have to reach that hard. <laughs> oh, oh! I accidentally did that. Sorry. Anyway, so they they come across this giant, you know, smashed path in the woods, and there is a spaceship at the end of it, and RC recognizes this spaceship. Yep. Well, time to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and she she's making having... she's making Jack stay low and close behind her. <laughs> yeah. David, please. Yeah, she is having some serious PTSD in this episode. Yeah. Yes. 
kicks in real heavy. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, they, uh, they, she tries to contact, uh, the base, but it turns out we're in, like, season one of Beast Wars, so it's not working. <laughs> There's too much energy yeah, well, on interference. Yeah, the ship is interfering. We're used to that from Beast Wars. It's no real surprise. I don't get no cell service. Oh no, we're trapped in the woods. To be fair, if the person piloting this ship, no spoilers yet, except, come on, uh, is <laughs> really, you know, running like a communications interference, mm-hmm. then I could see it being sufficiently cloaked from sensors enough to just sneak in through the Earth's atmosphere. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's just, but the fact that it, like, crashes with apparently no control is a little weird. Yeah, that's sort of unexplained why, you know, be- she didn't just land it. Because no Cybertronian ship has ever successfully landed on Earth. That's what a did- good point. Wait, what about Wheeljacks? Did, did he crash? He did crash. He was shot at. I think he, he was shot crash. down. Shot at. I guess he did crash. It still counts as crashing. Yeah. Dang it. Okay, so throughout the series, I'm going to be waiting for we have a scene where there's another happy landing. <laughs> <laughs> so she, you know, she spirit, she like speeds Jack away, like leaves him like on a on the other side of a uh, trench, and starts looking around, and she finds this tree that's been like covered in this glowing green acid, which I think is another predator reference. Oh yeah, because oh, the... that 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 was really neat because it, it's actually it's in the foreground and it's like it's like a painted animation cell mm. of the tree with the goop on it. It's not three D modeled. There are a couple like sort of matte painting sort of things here where I guess they needed some art assets but didn't want to actually model them because yeah. it's just well, for it, one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's happened in previous episodes like. You you get your distant landscape settings, but there's a lot more in this episode, which is actually really nice. They're fantastically well done. Yeah, this is a very atmospheric episode. They do it very well. Yes. So yeah, she sees some acid. I'm. I also think the acid is a little more alieny. So I'm just putting that. I mean, out it is there. the acid, but it's the same color as predator blood. Yeah. Okay, fine. And also, I can't do a Sigourney Weaver impression. <laughs> I have a note here that Jack is an idiot and I forget why it's early on. Oh, d- does he um Yeah, he starts going back to find yeah, after her. After RC leaves him across the ravine. Yeah, he he crawls his way across. That that's why Jack's an idiot. Like I don't know, maybe, like maybe if your like robot friend is afraid of this, maybe you should stay back, tiny human child. Jack is definitely back to acting like an unruly ferret at this point because <laughs> Like, 75% of ferret ownership is keeping them from killing themselves. Just eating things that they can't actually digest and getting into things and falling out of windows. And the other 25% is cleaning up poop. Good old cat snake Darby. (laughs) So, 
once again, I get that, like, like I said in a, in a previous episode, I guess in part of Darkness Rising, that they're just like, they're just like a bunch of unruly ferrets and you try to put them somewhere and they just scatter and go exactly where you didn't want them to go. And that's what Jack is doing here. She, she put him down and he's just gonna try to go wherever he feels like anyway. And this is even without Nico around. Yeah, he's doing it all <laughs> yeah. on his own this time. Whether it's just, you know, he also is like that, or Miko is just rubbing off on him. I don't know. Apparently. <laughs> anyway, so we get the full flashback at this point. Uh, Arcee's back on Sabertron. Uh, this is during the war, and she's uh, talking with her partner, Tailgate. <gasps> Tailgate? Yay, a tailgate! Adorable little yep. tailgate. It's not that tailgate. Also voiced by... Thankfully, it's not that tailgate. He's also voiced by Josh Keaton, because there are only three voice actors on this episode. Yes. Wow. You know who's not in this episode is The Rock. Yep. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I mean, Bumblebee's going to show up in this flashback. I don't think he even beeps. They didn't pay the guy who does the beeps. <laughs> Is that, like, a particular person who's not just their general, like, Foley artist? Well, I mean, I think that's actually Welker, who's doing, like, noises. <gasps> yeah, doing noises, and then they put the beeps on top of it. I think we mentioned that's that adorable. I mean, I think Welker might just be their Foley artist. He's just doing sound effects, like that guy from Police Academy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Although sp- I approve of this. Speaking of sound effects, uh, <gasps> wallop and web snappers, RC gets webbed up to the wall, possibly by Spider-Man, because it's the exact same sound effect from, uh, I believe the spectacular Spider-Man that they used for the web shooters. Yeah, yeah, wow, Spider-Man! And speaking Wait, of Spider-Man, uh, Josh Keaton's in this episode. <laughs> oh yeah, which, uh, which one was he? He was Spider-Man, he was the spectacular Spider-Man. What? Okay, the, the one where he it was the, the most recent one where he's in high school and just a vaguely normal Spider-Man show. Ah, uh, okay, but so not the, Ultimate the one Spider-Man before the current one. No, the one before but, that one. I was gonna say because the, the one before the current one isn't that the one with Neil Patrick Harris? No, no, that was the one before the one with no, Josh Keaton. TV CGI one. <laughs> Yeah, the the MTV MTV CGI one that was the one after the the nineties one. Yes, well, I mean, technically, right. there's you got Spider Man Unlimited between Fox Spider Man and the oh, mainframe one. Well, but that's still kind of a continuation of the the, the different voice actors, Spider- though. There are, huh? Yeah, I didn't watch the... much of Spectacular. Or, or the, oh, no, the, well, yeah, Spider Man Unlimited was recorded in Canada. So I think like Scott McNeil is the Green Goblin or something. Yay! And then you had Spectacular Spider-Man, which is the one that's in, he's in high school, and I think uh, that was Greg Wiseman running it. So you got like gargoyles of voice actors all over that one. So, by which you mean Star Trek The Next Generation actors. I I think mostly the ones who were not on Star Trek The Next Generation. So you got like Keith David and uh, that guy who was Lexington on there. Ah, Keith David. Was there Fager back? Yeah, I think he was Hydro Man. Oh, yeah, that works. <laughs> there been too um, many Spider-Man cartoons. I can't keep up. <laughs> and, okay, so then after that one, there was um, Ultimate Spider-Man, which is the one where it's oh. him and, like, um, Iron Fist and Power Man 
and, uh, and White Nova Tiger. And White Tiger, yes. And uh, I think Deadpool showed up in that one. Yeah, and then there's the current one, which is just Spider-Man. Uh-huh. Where he's yes. at like a high-tech high school. Yeah, which, uh-huh. yeah, I don't, uh, I don't like the designs of that one. I enjoy that one. Eh, I, I, I liked Ultimate Spider-Man. It has moments. Yeah. I like the designs of that, I just didn't watch it because I had no idea what even channel it was on. <laughs> I think it's on Disney XD, the channel oh. that's also an emoticon. <laughs> as, as a, yes, as a, as a random aside on the subject of Bill Fagerback, I was reminded the other day, just, Insomnia, just thanks to Insomnia that he was totally in that TV movie of The Stand, and I should see if that's still on Netflix. M O O N. That spells bulkhead. It's the only thing I remember about that, and also I think Laura San Giacomo was evil or something. Yeah, she's eventually, yeah, and Bride of the Devil or whatever the crap they're calling in that. And also Matt Frewer Mostly. is running around somewhere in that? Yeah, Matt, Matt Frewer is crazy and obsessed with, with the devil and steals a nuke and drags it to the devil on a tractor. That definitely sounds like something a Matt Frewer character would do. Yep. And it, it's, it's got Gary Sinise. Oh, right, Gary Sinise. Oh, Gary Sinise is in that. Wow. Also, I, I would say probably more Matt Frewer is his character in the recent Netflix series Altered Carbon. Oh, I keep, oh. I, I should watch that. I keep hearing good things. He is exceptionally Matt Frewer in that. Anyway, so, it's the past. R.C. has been captured by a mysterious assailant who is messing up her face with, like, acid claws. Yeah, it's pretty hardcore. I I have to say that this series certainly makes, like, flesh wounds or, you know, the robot equivalent thereof seem pretty serious in a way that I feel like Transformers never really did previously. Well, because it was hard in Beast Wars and Beast Machines because you had new textures and things and and old animated stuff. The old cartoons, like, you'd have to... Well, it's easier to do than doing CG, but the the, the effects wouldn't be consistent throughout scenes. Right. And also, once again, she's sort of been, like, chain-crucified, much like um, uh, Agent Fowler was in the pilot. Yeah, what? It's not quite crucified. It's like, um, oh, what the fuck when you would Just strung up, basically. Chained up like you'd be in a dungeon, only instead of against a wall, you're just hanging in the middle of a room with a spotlight on you, which is dramatic, but kind of doesn't make sense and would pull your arms out of your sockets. Well, she's a robot. I guess not if you're a robot. That'd be work, but... Well, I mean, it's supposed to be uncomfortable. It's not supposed to be a comfortable position to be in. You're chained up in a dungeon. Nobody chains people up in a dungeon and is like, oh, are your arms okay? Are your hands going to sleep? I just want to make sure you're okay. Well, where do you think the subdom culture started? Consensual <laughs> imprisonment well. in, in a oubliette. <laughs> And speaking of subdoms, this is where we get <laughs> our best look at uh, our villain of the episode, Arachnid. How did she escape being named Black Arachnia? Excellent question. I mean, I guess because Black Arachnia is usually a vaguely redeemable villain, whereas Arachnid is basically just a serial killer. That's yeah, she, fair. She's, That's she's Dexter, fair. effectively. Well, no, Dexter was... Yeah. Well, it's... She's 
never explicitly stated in this episode, but she acts kind of like a mad doctor with her experiments and the alien shit. I mean, she's a kind mm-hmm. of a kind of a Hannibal Lecter, if anything. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't he a doctor? Yeah, um, I he was a psychiatrist. Ah, okay. So he they they do call him Do- Doctor Lecter. <laughs> you can you can swim in the ocean. I also do a bad Jody Foster. <laughs> oh wow! Anyway, so Arachnid's design is fantastic and amazing, and, and like a little bit of well, Rob, you said like um, Maleficent. She's a little Maleficent. With, with a, yeah. But like her face, like some of her attitude reminds me of a villain for an Ultraman movie. It was an evil Ultraman woman, Carrera or Camila, depending upon your translation. Mm-hmm. There's like five different versions of that, uh, which is amusing because um, uh, her voice actress Gina Torres once played an evil Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah, in that uh, Justice League Crisis on Two Earths movies, where it's her and, uh-huh. like, evil oh. nihilist James Woods Batman. Oh, she's, um... <laughs> crap, was uh, it Superwoman? I think no. it's Super... Yeah, it's Superwoman. It's Superwoman, and then the evil Superman is Ultraman. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Yeah, that, that, that That's already... Someone's already using that name. you got to be 40 meters tall for that. Oh, he is not. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Gina Torres. Uh, you've probably seen her on Firefly, much like Adam Baldwin. If you yes, watch it, yeah. Except a much better character. Uh, speaking of also Hannibal Lecter, she was person. on that show Hannibal with her then husband, Larry Fishburne. Ooh, I didn't realize she was married to Larry Fishburne. She was. I don't believe they are anymore, oh. but they were married for like 15 years. Huh. Aww. Um, she's, she's on that show Suits. Hmm. Uh, it's here where I... I embarrassingly admit that I mostly know her from the short-lived syndicated action show Cleopatra <laughs> 2525. Same. That was probably the first time I saw her. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that one. It was not good. No, it, uh, no, it, it was, was it, it was before or after, um, Jack of, Jack of All Trades, the one where yeah, uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce Campbell, Campbell plays was... like a Revolutionary War era spy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like one of the main villains is Napoleon. Yes, as played by Vern Troyer. Yeah, <laughs> that that show was a little better than Cleopatra twenty five twenty five, but not by a lot. Well, I mean, it had Bruce Campbell. Yes, you have Bruce Campbell. There were some actual good jokes in there. Cleopatra I mean, 25, it, it was a show was that kind of realized how dumb it was, whereas yeah. Cleopatra twenty five twenty five did not quite. Even though the premise was, it's a bunch. It's like Terminator, except the main protagonist has arrived in the future via cryogenic stasis after she was placed there after a botched breast uh, enhancement. <laughs> no, you yeah. can't just do that. Yeah, th- th- this was another show from of the geniuses that brought us um, Hercules and Xena. Well, that's like Sam Raimi, which is why yeah. Bruce Campbell is in one of them. Yeah, they, they uh, were good Sam at the action Raimi shows, is... the hour long ones, not the half hour ones. Didn't work. Yeah, Sam Raimi is the only reason why I watched that Legend of the Seeker series that was based on the Terry Goodkind stuff that 
by all accounts, is exactly the kind of garbage that's why I didn't <laughs> read fantasy novels in the I, early 90s. I own all those in hardcover. I've n- I'm sorry. I don't even know what those are. I have a signed copy. Are those ones that are about owls? No, no and it's okay, not then. Legends of Gahul. It, it's about okay, then. a boring Richard Cipher. Wow. Actual last name. <laughs> who become, who's a farm boy who finds out he's the son of a mega maniacal warlord wizard and turns out, oh, he's a war wizard and stuff and there's S&M elements. It's good in concept. So much S&M. But yeah, it, it, it's a little weird and as the series goes on, it becomes more and more evident that, that the author is a massive Randian. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of it's it's basically Terry Goodkind's sexual hang-ups the series <laughs> with with Anne Rand slathered over it in in uh-huh. undertones that he doesn't quite get that it uh it's it's weird like you know how Rainy is is like any person it's like the ego of self is like focus on your own shit and I'm the best even if you say I'm wrong. Which kind of works when you have fucking magic. <laughs> and you only have, like, five people that can do magic. But in actual uh, reality, it's dumb as fuck. The the thing about it is that the the books, uh, from what I've heard, are deadly serious about all of this. But the TV series was a Sam Raimi syndicated <laughs> yeah, the, 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 TV the series. Yeah, the series took liberties. It was, it was a funner, um... Oh, the, the... It, it had Ted Raimi in it at one point. Yeah, briefly. um, uh, the, the main good guy wizard, Zedeka Zelzorander, is portrayed by the, the gyrocopter guy from Mad Max movies. Oh, Bruce Spence. Yep. Looking for the precious juice. Yeah, so he was good. The, the... The gasoline. The rest of the cast was, eh. Looks like a bunch of Australians. Yeah, Australians. Well, yeah. It... The series was probably better than the books, but at the time I didn't like the series. I didn't read the books because, again, they seemed that was the sort of thing that convinced me in the early 90s that fantasy was not worth even approaching as a genre. Yeah, it's, it's gotten a better. Overly pretentious. I, I like the one where he, he actually carves a statue and it has an artistic metaphor about shit, but. That also veers too much into Randy and crap. Yeah. Anyway, Gina. Tw- yeah, also, anyway, before- more recently, just as as a as a brief wrap up, what you really need to know about Terry Goodkind is that recently there's this big kerfluffle online because he like didn't like the cover art for one of his books and like dragged it on Facebook. Oh yeah, and which- like seriously, that is disgustingly unprofessional. Well, it's it's ex- exceedingly unprofessional because, like, among many jobs that are listed in the, in the book jacket, like, he built a house that has a coffin-shaped door. He built his own house, supposedly, somewhere. He actually, at one point, was a painter. So, an artist dragging another artist. Fuck that guy. Yeah. And uh, to wrap up anyway. my segment here, I will just note that the theme song of Cleopatra 2525 was a modified version of the terrible Zager and Evans hit, in the year 2525. Of course! You gotta do that. <laughs> I think it was actually a pretty good cover. I mean, I'm guessing it wasn't. I, uh, uh, compared to the original anyway. song, which is goofy as shit. Anyway, Gina Torres and um, 
her she's voice, very good in this. Yes. yes. Like, like. Oh God. Whew. Yes, she's very good in this. I don't entirely understand ASMR. Normally, it's like people whispering, <laughs> but like, I can listen to Gina Torres say anything. I mean, most of this is her <laughs> threatening to murder people. Well, threatening yeah, to but in a very people. attractive way. Yeah, attractive and like possibly like almost any line she says can be implied innuendo. And it's mostly aimed at RC, so. <laughs> well, and, or and Jack later on in the episode, they're like, "That's the spirit, Jack. Oh, yeah. Play hard to get." <laughs> <laughs> Although that is nothing compared to the Japanese dub. Oh, uh, in which she Tell is, us about the uh, as the wiki says, a talkative, vain, boy, crazy, romantic. Oh, that sounds dumb. And she apparently has, instead of a collection of space monsters, she has a collection of cute boys. Yeah, do, I mean that's okay. Don't they clip out the entire scene where we get to see all the awesome, like alien heads that are in her collection? Yes, because I guess we're not meant, meant to believe that she has an expansive definition of cute boys. <laughs> yeah, cute boys that are decapitated alien thingies. Anyway, so yeah, Arachnid is talking about how, you know, uh, I guess she sort of has a thing where she is, uh, in these flashbacks, she's just like a, a Decepticon torturer. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Yes, and she says that uh, RC is going to feel her sting, which I have to point out is inaccurate because spiders do not sting. Yeah, well, no. You know, the, uh, it's a metaphorical sting. Yeah, it, it's, it, it reminds really me of uh, the early um, Venture Brothers episodes where they hadn't quite figured out the monarch yet, and they thought his thing might be that he just doesn't know anything about monarch butterflies. <laughs> Which was kind of great. I wish they kept yeah, that so up. Like, you know, that you'll feel my sting, much like the monarch of, of my namesake. <laughs> uh, monarchs don't, monarchs don't sting, monarch. <laughs> and also, in a, another bit of entomological inaccuracy, she has compound eyes. Yes, she does. Spiders do not have cool compound looking. eyes. No, but okay. Wait, but it looks really cool because it's, it's like layers of honeycombs on her. Spiders eyes, don't which make is honeycombs. From everybody else. I kn- it's it's the most common structure in nature to build stru- things with the honeycomb. It's when you put a bunch of circles together, you mush. You look like spider web eyes. But how do you... Um, okay, well, we already did the multiple <laughs> eye things with black arachne and beast machines. Don't need to do that. I guess. Again. Bugs. Insects. Oh, you can't see it, but I'm shaking my fist. Yes. And, uh, speaking of, she is stalking a camper, who's just, you know, some guy in a tent who we do not see, but she's seeing him via predator vision. Yeah. <gasps> yes. And then it fades to black. And However, it... it's. I just i I appreciate that her predator vision only sees through as far as the tent itself, and not any further, because that's we wouldn't we don't need that. No Ooh, one needs that. Standards and practices. Yeah. Well, I mean, Arachnid might need that. No. Oh, okay. I was really hoping the camper would die, or, like, we wouldn't see that the camper lives. Uh, Yeah, I thought we might get, like, a Mighty Max-style, like, off-screen murder here. Yeah, like, you go to commercial break, and then you come back, and there's just a trampled tent. Yes. That would have been nice. Anyway, so so RC uh, RC attacks her, and 
uh, Arachnid is very pleased to see her old friend. Yes. Yes, she is. And I think we can note here that Arachnid does not really have like a standard humanoid uh, robot mode for the most part. She well, mostly she has sort of. She does sometimes. But she she's got like use a, it very a, often. She like uses right. it like in the flashback torture stuff, where she's right. mostly just standing around or walking around. Mm-hmm. But if but she's moving she's... anywhere, she has a spider mode, which is awesome. It's and the a toy can't fucking do that. Beast mode. Isn't there some sort <laughs> yeah. of uh, Dungeons and Dragons thing that's like a person on top with a spider on the bottom? Was that a drider? That's it. Yes. It's a drider. She what? is kind of dridery, and she's got the black and purple thing going too, which tends to be their color scheme. But I, I just prefer to think of it as a gerwalk beast mode. Yeah, because driders are more centaur-like, where you're the where the head of the spider would be is a person coming out of it. Right, top half of a person, which is looks ungainly as shit. Black rack, or <laughs> ah, erected. <laughs> See? Old, ha- old habits die hard. Arachnid's leaning forward like she's just sort of slung under the legs. Like the legs are coming out of her <clears throat> back. But she only has six legs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well. Which, well, point. we never get her alt mode in this episode. In this episode, the, her alt mode is that. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, she, she's not really with the Decepticons anymore. She is, uh has a new thing where she's uh, collecting endangered species, although they're, they're not endangered uh, until she got there. So she and we see that she has like a bunch of like crazy looking monster heads. Uh, yes, remi- RC goes into her ship and there's some very nice like matte painting. Yeah, there's like monster a, heads three, hanging on the wall. Four paintings of various heads. The, the heads of the monsters remind me a lot of Zoonoids from Guyver. I'll take any opportunity to bring up the Guyver. Yes. But they really kind of do look like Zonoid. Sort of animalish things with extra eyes. Vaguely humanoid. Too many teeth. Yeah, too many teeth and, like, tusks and tentacles. Yes. And, uh, anyway, it turns out the next on her list is, uh, humanity. <laughs> uh, like, that seems a little overambitious, lady. Well, I mean, what are they going to do to stop her? Uh, well, there are the military forces of our industrialized nation. Yeah, that's, that's it. Like, her dialogue sort of implies that she's murdered whole planets, but I don't, I kind of don't get that vibe from her, that she's murdered lots of people. Yes, entire planets worth, I don't think so, unless she's using biological weapons to clean up after herself. Yeah, I mean, she did have yeah. that acid. It would have to be something like that. Yeah. Because, I mean, no offense to her combat prowess, but I think probably ten humans could take her. Well, it it turns out that one human can take her, because indeed, Jack shows up, and R.C. gets webbed up to a rock, and she tries to do the John Lithgow end of Harry and the Hendersons thing. Get out of here, Jack! Can't you see we don't want you anymore? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but he's all, yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm not buying this, uh, but you're actually afraid, which is terrifying, because you're never afraid of anything. It's true. She's never afraid of anything, because she's also kind of a terrifying <laughs> murder machine in her own right. So, speaking of murder machines, we flash back, RC's still trussed up, and Arachnid's all, okay, well, you know, you're not going to tell me anything, and no matter what horrible things I've done to you, but uh, what if we brought in 
Tailgate. <gasps> dun dun dun. No. Not the baboon. And then R.C. can't even tell her because she doesn't know the information that Arachnid wants. Yep, but, you know, Arachnid doesn't even really care, so she's going to kill him anyway. So we get the the, the classic sort of, this is a cartoon we can't show you, but, like, she raises up one of her spider legs, and it clearly, it's like, energon splatter all over. Oh, yeah, Yeah. the wall gets splattered with dark, well, it's not glowing energon. Dark energon. <laughs> Dark Energon. Yeah, and it, and this this ain't no thing for Arachnid. She's just like Starscream was very sort of impressed with himself for killing somebody. Arachnid, it's just NBD. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, she has a Viacon henchman. Yes. Well, I guess she's just like a regular Decepticon at this point. I guess. Probably. Well, she's trying to get information out, but the the fact that she had, like I mean, has, she has a Decepticon logo. Henchman is weird. And I mean, yeah, she does still have her symbol. And I think, and I think she says that she's gone solo now. And I think later yeah. on we hear the Decepticons like they know who she is. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I get more the impression that just in the post-war. Decepticon diaspora, she's just sort of been doing her own thing and not fussing over where Megatron or Starscream or anybody is. She's just like, eh, I got no direct commander, so... I'm just going to start murdering guys. Yeah, just going to go start murdering. Just murdering. Just lots of murder. But I guess she's still in the loop enough that she does know that R.C. has lost another partner, and she's all, you know... RC, you uh, you kind of suck at keeping your partners alive. Yeah, you have to. At this point, you have to start asking yeah. yourself: Is it them or is it me? <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's mean. She's mean to RC. Yes. Oh, she's mean, but it's Gina Torres's voice, so I don't care. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, she just leaves her webbed up. She's gonna get Jack, and then she'll murder you. So we get one last flashback. Um, Bumblebee and Cliffjumper bust in. They rescue RC. Um, nobody says anything because, uh, you know, we're not paying the rock for this episode. <laughs> or even that guy who sounds mm-hmm. like the rock who we're going to get later. Nope. <laughs> we'll just, he'll just be not talking. He doesn't have anything to say. Because, I mean, come on. Also, Bumblebee is a good boy. Yes. So RC figures out that, you know, oh, maybe if I actually, you know, transformed into vehicle mode, I could actually bust through this webbing. So she she starts to do that. And meanwhile, uh, Jack is just straight up Schwarzeneggering in the last reel of Predator here. Kind of, yeah. He's... Also, RC just really needs some dirt bike tires. Yes. Just needs some all-terrain wheels. Come on. Although, I, I do wonder how she transforms in this webbing and the webbing stays on, like... If she'd, like, half-transformed and had, like, back feet as a wheel, that'd make more sense. But uh, her torso is glued to the, what was it, a rock or a tree or something? I guess the webbing's very elastic. Yeah, Apparently, maybe it, it doesn't actually stick to her. It just sticks to the stuff around her, and I don't know. Yeah. We're thinking too hard. Anyway, so he, well, he he ends up hiding behind, like, a tree, and it's, I, I have to assume this is a deliberate reference to the ring wraith yeah. uh, shot. In oh, yeah. Lord of the Rings. Because she even makes a hissing noise. Yes. 
<laughs> Basically, everything's happening except like she isn't making bugs come out of the uh, the ground. <laughs> okay, he, he runs away some more. He can, he, he does have that multi tool, so he thinks, "Oh, man, I can stab her with his tiny dinky knife." No, multi. You keep saying <laughs> no. multi tool. Is that what they call Swiss Army knives in Canada? No, he. Ca- oh, oh, right. He does call it a. Right, he, I, for well, some reason, I, thought, I, I s- thought he said multi-tool, but he says multi-function pocket knife. Ah. Yeah, I mean, multi-tool is basically the generic term for Swiss Army knife, yeah, I mean, which I'm pretty sure is actually a trademark. Yes, yeah, his so isn't he, even red. It's he, like tan Yeah, he could not call it. Hey, not all of them are red. No, I guess, I mean, Sometimes they're pink. I like oh. pink ones. I mean, your classic Swiss Army knife is red. So I guess that's what they're... Anyway, so he finds her ship, and amusingly, with the the shot here where they're like, it's by a couple of fallen trees, it looks like a big hairy spider. Yes. Oh, yeah. Huh. Which I assume is deliberate. Probably. And he sees that it's, uh, in the crash, I guess, something jarred loose, like a fuel line or something. So there's just like a pool of energon. Leaking Man. from one I, of the back engines. I thought engines. maybe there was going to be some kind of corpse overhead, but... It's just the ship. That's next episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he, he grabs a stick, grabs Chekhov's uh, magnesium fire starter. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's a flint and tinder. He make, makes a little spark on a log. Well, and Arachnid can hear that because she went inside her ship looking for him, thinking he went in there. But she hears the yes. noise. And she also... jumps on top of him and starts to come toward him. They're pretty loud. And this is Those totally what Schwarzenegger does with the flaming arrow in Predator. <laughs> yeah, so, so J- Jack yeah. gets the, a little log, little stick light, just throws it up into the engine that's leaking oil, and then we have fire, the untamed element, man's oldest mystery, giver of warmth, destroyer of forests, right now this building is on fire! <laughs> Very nice. Also, uh... <laughs> I love that <laughs> Good movie. job. Also, uh... Fire is super effective against insect types, so <laughs> that's the appropriate thing to use here. It's the appropriate attack type to use here. So, you know, he's thrown clear, but suddenly he's confronted by Ar- Arachnid, who is on fire. <laughs> yes, she's still smoldering. sort of. She's more I mean, she's on smoldering. fire than I would prefer to be. Well, That's, yes. Yeah. But she's, like, only on fire in one shot, and then the, the next shot, like, one of her legs is just glowing really bright. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, luckily, before she can deliver the killing blow, R.C. busts in and just beats the hell out of Arachnid. Yeah, a, l- a little boxing match. The juke and jive. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, this, this whole, I, I like the sort of, uh, I guess this is less Predator and more like Halloween or Friday the 13th. Well, yeah, because but it's you don't kind punch of a, Jason, Jason will punch your head off. Well, yeah, I mean, this is kind of the, uh, I mean, Jack is kind of the final girl here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I, if I assume the fire thing hadn't worked, he would have found, like, a sweater and tried to pretend to be Arachnid's mother. <laughs> As you do. Uh, so, but uh, unfortunately, well, RC and Jack are safe. Um, 
arachnid just starts burrowing out of there like she's Dr. Oh, Wily or something. Yeah, after um, after all the punching and the fighting, Arcee kicks arachnid and she goes sliding through the trees. They cut to a overhead wide shot, just smacking through like, I don't know, half a mile of trees with a giant smoke cloud. Then she turns into a drill and drills away. How many modes does arachnid have? Too many. All of them. She has all of them. I guess them. that was RC's finishing move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And so Arachnid's like a quad changer? Yeah, and then she hasn't even got her vehicle mode yet. No. No. Nope. So unfortunately, I was unable to use Get to the Chopper! <laughs> <laughs> Next time. Next time, get to We'll Next get there. <laughs> So everything's good, uh, you know. They're they're going, for, they're, you know, they're calling in for a ground bridge, and you know, Jack gets the whole, oh, you know, he, like, you know, she calls him his partner, but just junior partner, junior partner. Yeah, and and then RC wants to pull rank on her partner. Yeah. No, that's not a that's not a euphemism, David. Stop. <laughs> you're you're episode, working I... way too hard. Hey, I, I pulled it back on, on all of Arachnid's lines. Like, I could have had a list of, like, half the things she says which sounded dirty. <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> no. Alright, so, yeah, that, this you know, I enjoyed this episode a lot. I mean, there's not a lot to it, but uh, the animation and the music and uh, the voice acting... Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness, the voice acting is excellent. Yeah, uh, the bottle episodes usually annoy me when you like limited characters, limited location. This one didn't because it's it's a predator riff, so that was yeah. fun. <laughs> yes. I mean, you, I mean, you can't go wrong with. Uh, I mean, Predator is such a simple yet ridiculous movie that if you just basically lift the plot of Predator, you're you're pretty much good to go. Yeah, I mean the problem with those. I mean, Predator Two is basically just Predator again, but those AV Alien versus Predator movies are not sufficiently predatory. No, no they're more punchy, fighty. Predator Two is way better than than the Alien versus Predator movies. Oh yeah, it's got Gary Busey in it. Be really good. Um, Predators was okay. That was okay. Although I don't think I can buy a Predator movie in which um, Topher Grace outlives Danny Trejo. Yeah. 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 I just I I like I like aliens. <laughs> That's also a good movie. And and Alien also again Alien Resurrection is the most Joss Whedon thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, parts and, of that uh, are good. Well, casting of that one is good. The movie itself ain't so great. Yeah, that uh, that bit where uh, Sigourney Weaver sinks that in- insane basketball shot is pretty great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And it's pretty great. And she, and she actually did it. Apparently, uh, Ron Perlman almost, like, totally lost it and almost ruined the scene. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been sad. So, yeah, that is Predatory, and uh, that is it for us this week. Uh, you can find us all over the internet. We're on Twitter, we're on Tumblr, and we're on Facebook. And we are on iaconunderground.net, where we have a Patreon set up to help support our hosting fees and other costs. That is at patreon.com slash iaconunderground. 
And this month we are taking on an anime classic for our Patreon special. Uh, we will be talking Castle of Cagliostro. Look on the third. Featuring, in my version, The Wolf. Yes, my version as well. Which we my, will My version discuss. also had The Wolf, only they said it in French. <laughs> Lupin. Actually, wolf in French is loop. Ha! Yeah, I know loop guru. I know. I mean, probably lupin is like lupine. Probably. Yeah. Dog like. Wolf like. Wolf like. Woof. Woof. Anyway, so until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm David. We have escaped the forest of the Spider Woman. It's all bullshit, all of it. The cabinet minister, the whole business. <laughs> ah, I should remember. I'm Washington. just gonna. I'm gonna go back to the forest of the Spider Woman. <laughs> wow! Oh, they make her like Pepe Le Pew in Japanese, and she's singing dirty nursery rhymes or folk rhymes. And, and uh, trying, to, she wants to give Jack a spanking. Okay, my fan art from years ago isn't far off. That is uncalled for. <laughs> <laughs>